Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Long Legs. Oh my goodness, it is December. I cannot believe it. Can you? I mean, the world is truly anything is possible now. I aliens don't surprise me. Anyways, what a way to start off. Um, I just want to make a couple quick announcements. Um, we have two more episodes this year of 2020, and then um, it's going to be a hiatus, and I'm going to do the clip show at the end of the year, pending the world doesn't end. And next year, um, I will be back with something. So I might not re be retiring the show completely, but I am definitely cooking something up. So um, subscribe, follow, follow me on social medias too, so to keep in touch with new projects. Um, but I heard <laughs> some of you replied when I said I was going to retire this show. And um, it really warmed my heart. So if you enjoy this show and you don't, I mean, let me know. Because truly, sometimes uh, I don't hear from you guys. And I'm just like, I guess I'll just stop doing this. And then that's when I hear from you. So I really appreciate um, anyone who reached out. And want to give a special shout out to Confidant Leah. Leah, because I, um, I hope you're saying, I'm saying your name right, L-E-A. Uh, obviously, I will not say your last name. Um, Leah, thank you so much for your kind words and congratulations on your promotion. That is so, so cool. Uh, I, we do need some good confessions these days. So honestly, if you're going through a good time, let me know. I would love to give you a shout out. I would love to hype you up. Um, truly, the reason I do good confessions is because I genuinely enjoy celebrating people's positive uh, events and likes and passions and I know it seems silly but there's enough negativity in my life to begin with so I'm really trying to externally provide positivity and Leah you provided that thank you so much so congratulations Leah on your promotion if you guys do want to email me and chat you can email me tell me anything pod at gmail.com and remember confidant super confidant newsletter Send me $5 or more to paypal.me slash you can tell me anything before the 7th of the month. And I will include you on that super secret VIP newsletter that goes out. Um, if you've never been on the newsletter and you want to sample it, okay, look, I'm very chill. Let me know. I'll give you a free month. Um, but truly, the, the money is, I'm not like... <laughs> I mean, you guys know this. I'm not like loading up on money. I do this podcast um, out of my pocket. So it just goes to help with the cost, offset time and that sort of thing. Um, but I love keeping in touch with you guys. And the newsletter just gets into a little bit more personal details of my life, um, including usually a video blog, um, some photos that I don't post online. So you get some exclusive photos. And I just write a little bit more about what happened this month. So, um, yeah. If you want to get on that, it's paypal.me slash you can tell me anything, $5 or more before the 7th of the month. And I usually send it out. Did I say 7th of the month? It should be 5th of the month. My brain is really, really cray cray. Before the 5th of the month, $5, five, 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 five. five. That's why I made it that way. Um, but I do t tend to send it out on the 7th so to give you guys stragglers some time. And uh, finally, if you haven't uh, been following me on social media, I want to announce that I have some holiday merch and it is live and it is available. Uh, the pre-orders have ended and now we are in the orders. So as of today, when you're listening to this podcast, you can go to TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shop. I'm selling little note cards. I think they're really cute. Um, I thought about partnering with some t-shirt companies and that sort of thing. I do have some t-shirts, but the reality is I just, I'm just super picky and I don't want to sell anything I wouldn't buy. So 
I decided to make them myself. Um, I make note cards for my friends when I send them housewarming cards, birthday cards, you know, I'm sorry cards. So I thought I would sell those. So they're all original. There's a couple themed packs. Um, each one comes with four unique designs. One is all about saying sorry. So it's like things like, are you mad? Uh, they're kind of cheeky. So, you know, they're a great gift for, um, you know, newlyweds or couples or things like that. Because I think they're kind of fun for different occasions. Um, things like, I told you so, or you were right. Uh, or you told me so, sorry. The idea is to apologize, not to gloat. Uh, and then the other one is all... Friendly, I like you, things like today is a good day to remind you that I like you, or um, it's been a minute if you want to send a card to someone you haven't talked to in a while. It's just a little bit more personal than a text, um, but you can still text your friends, obviously. And obviously over the holidays, uh, well, you can buy this after too, but pretty much for the holidays, I'm selling special Father Long Legs cards, which are Father Christmas Long Legs cards. If you haven't seen them, go to TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shop to see them. They are original drawings I drew, um, pretty silly, of a Santa-like figure with a juicy booty and long legs. I enjoy them. Uh, I think they're PG-13. I hope you enjoy them. I'm sorry if they offend you, um, but I don't know. They just delight me, so... Um, yeah, that's it. The, the cards are all on the website. If you use the code CONFIDANT, you'll get 10% off everything um, under my order form. Okay, so that doesn't apply to the t-shirts that I'm partnering with other companies on, but anything that I am selling through the my TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shop order form, CONFIDANT, use that promo code for 10% off. Um, on top of these note cards, I have a very, very special, very strange, but true um, service I'm providing. For 2021, I will be coaching select few people on their New Year's resolutions. Um, it's not a contest. The reason it's select is because I want to truly dedicate my time to everyone who signs up and actually give you your time's worth. Um, but what that means is it's sort of a hybrid between, you know, RA, uh, life coach, um, big sister, therapist, but you should definitely still go to therapy. Um, but I'll work with you or a friend. It's a great gift if you want to give your, you know, wacky friend something silly. Um, I'll work with you or your friend, whoever, all year to complete your New Year's resolutions. And this includes four, so that's one per quarter one-on-one -on -one meetings that we can do via Skype or Zoom with in-depth planning. And I swear to God, I'm going to write written evaluations for you. So this isn't like grades, okay? It's all to hype you up. But I love to mentor. I love to hype. And I love to track my own progress. So I decided why not do that for you? So if you are interested, go check out the video. It's kind of silly, but I explain it all. It's all on my website. I will be coaching New Year's resolutions um, in 2021, including if you're interested uh, creatively in getting critique of a completed work, like, you know, short film, script, whatever, album, um, I also have that service provided. And um, yeah, it's pure critique. I just am brutally honest. I'm not like, you know, uh, full disclosure. I, I'm not like an executive. I can't make your movie. I can't produce it. But I can give you my honest thoughts if that's something you like. Uh, and if you don't want the coaching and you just want the honest thoughts, if you just want critique on something you wrote or made and you just want me to look at it, 
uh, I will also provide that a la carte. Okay, so go check all that out. Of course, if you have any questions, contact me. Reach me on my social media at Larissa T or at Tell Me Anything Pod on Instagram. I love you guys so much. Please enjoy this episode with Adam Ganser. You can tell her. You can tell her. your girl father long legs this is me daddy t you know me um teresa lee that's my name these are very easy rhymes i wish my name was cooler to rhyme but it's not but you're listening to you can tell me anything it's the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest uh already my guest is laughing at me and i, I love it i can't wait to introduce him uh, well that you just heard him but let me introduce him he worked with me at cracks a brilliant director has a bunch of podcasts on the small beans network which you should definitely follow and listen and if you're listening to this podcast you're aware of that because a lot of uh, small beans uh, uh family have come on this pod before um give it up for adam ganzer <laughs> thank you for having me yes thank you for it's doing so fun it. to be here I, yeah someone i don't know if it was someone like preemptively saying this but some i don't know if you know like someone like in a i don't remember if it was a live stream or something but someone was like you need to have or like or why don't you have adam on your show and i was like oh i will like but it was like a yeah i was like oh yeah yeah i'll have him on. <laughs> it was one of those things where i was like somebody yeah, with I didn't some know defensive he to do stand it. okay like <laughs> <laughs> i have like five fans and they're very aggressive uh-huh. <laughs> very it, aggressive. It, it, i don't think they meant it that way but it came as like yeah. a like you said no kind of thing and i'm like Oh yeah, no, I have happy yeah. to have him. <laughs> of course, I love it. I like. I mean, also, this might be getting into deep waters already, but mm-hmm. like, I've never branded as a comedian much. Mm-hmm. So I feel like most of my friends who are comedians, mm. they're like, "Oh yeah, right," but they're thinking of I need to bring comedians on and stuff, and not like whatever I'm self-labeling uh, as, which I'm not you're sure. You're a filmmaker, a director, or however you identify. Yeah. But, well, that's an Correct. interesting point because I did, when I started, I was like, it's a comedy podcast, but I'm a, I'm a comedy. No, I'm a comedian. So <laughs> to me, I'm like, well, the goal isn't to crack jokes because that's what we do on stage. So like the idea right. is like, usually when you talk to comedians, you know, you know, like it's, it's, there's more to it. But um, I, I have like, I, in the beginning, it was more stand-ups and then I, did branch off more and then I, I love it like I've had directors on who yeah, are just yeah. directors but generally I meet them in the world of comedy um although I did have a director on who we met at uh like an Asian queer shorts block that we were both in so our vibes are very different but also the same like we obviously have stuff in common so I think that when I say comedian I mean me but uh no I'm just kidding uh you too but I don't <laughs> I don't I always forget that when I say that some people are like I'm not I'm like oh true but you are like you make comedy yeah that's things. the thing yeah i i have like four or five friends who i've said that to over the last two years and they're like dude you you make you're performing comedy content what do you yeah what, you're what a comedy creator a the labels yeah, i guess that's it yeah the labels i guess it's just because you would probably introduce yourself as a director more so then yes, it puts people in other people's heads it's strange just like i tend to say comedian because i think it covers stand-up and writing but Technically, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll say I'm a stand-up, depending on the context. But then they might be like, I didn't know you. Like, I had a, someone hire me to do stand-up, and then, like, months later, we're like, I didn't know you write. Do you want to write for stuff? And I was like, yeah, I, I write my material, but I guess people don't realize yeah. <laughs> it translates. I didn't download this. 
yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like I wrote the jokes. Label. Yeah. Um, but speaking of intros, yeah. I like to start by yeah, yeah. asking the guests for a good confession, just so we can get to know you and start on a positive note. Is there something good you'd like to confess? I, I would. So I, um, most people know that I have a day job right now that uh, is in involves teaching college students Ooh, um, at a that. college. That's exciting. Which I, I, I really like it. Uh, I This this last like month when I've, because it's all been on Zoom, right? Everything's on Zoom now. Mm. Uh, like oh, I'm cool. watching people's faces more than I would normally be, mm-hmm. you know? And I've realized like, oh, I, I have a lot more sympathy for uh, students who like don't necessarily want to be in school mm. uh, than I, did when I was in school, you know what I mean? Like, I, like uh-huh. I'm like watching. I'm like, yeah, I get it now. I understand how why why you don't want to be here because this this is frustrating and difficult. I get it. In general, uh, so or being at home, D- difficult. I think both. Honestly, both. Like, I, I uh, have. I mean, you and I have worked for off and on at least for ten years ish, right? And so, like, yeah, I think yeah. you look back at school like, yeah, and you're like wow. school's stupid kind of you know like mm. uh not entirely it's great in a lot of ways but no I see what you're saying feels... and I see that people think that I think that I yeah. often I tend to be the the <laughs> this is when I realize that like oh I see why I'm the way I am like whenever people are like you know yeah. how this I'm like I do know how that and I know how I'm not that and I want to be like you, but I have weirdly attached to the structure of school in a very positive way that I know is not normal. Um, I, so this, I know you've, you are familiar with this pod and I generally um, am inspired. Inspired might not be the right word, but I was prompted to do this because of therapy. Like I didn't grow up with like just knowing it was an option so much and now that I go therapy I love getting things off my chest so sort of the idea is there's something really nice in talking things out uh in a more in-depth way especially as comedians or comedy creators so I'm curious um what is your relationship with therapy like have you ever gone do you like it do you hate it you know just kind of what you think about it no right or wrong answer we've had the gamut of experiences so I've had uh, <laughs> so I, I haven't I hadn't been officially in therapy until I went into some therapy after uh, cracked mm. after we left cracked. Mm. Just I just felt like it was time to sort out some anger issues that mm. I was having over a period of years, um, and it I, it was I mean I really enjoyed the perspective of the person. It was good to talk. Uh, it didn't like fix much but i but i mean i don't know i i didn't i don't think i necessarily went to get it all mm. fixed i think it was more like like brushing your teeth right like it's yeah. it's like that kind of work it's like a maintenance thing um i've had really bad therapy mm. type experiences in my times with the church because mm. uh, you know i have sort of a uh, I have a mm-hmm. conservative background and so like when i left the church uh i left with, with somebody having made the suggestion to like sort of seek some Christian therapy. Oh, and gosh. that was very not constructive, uh, just kind of feel good stuff. That yeah. was like, well, plus the idea of putting anything, well, I was going to say putting any qualifier in front of therapy. That's like a slant feels like, like the idea is it's more of a neutral, but if you're going in yes. with, with a bias, but that being said, there, 
therapists are human and they all do have biases, but generally I think they try not to let you know what they are so that right. they can be neutral. But if you go into Christian therapy, it's like, hmm, they're not going to necessarily, answers. yeah, they're not yeah. necessarily going to respond neutrally if you're like, feel like God's not real, like, or whatever. Like, they're going to push you in one way yes. or the other. <laughs> that's true. If you came with that one, they would not address that. Like, let's see if that's true. Uh, but I, they, I mean, I did want to go to Christian therapy because I wanted those kind of answers mm. when I was going there. But I also found that, and like, this is like sort of a larger critique of religion I have right now. Like, it, they were afraid of hard questions. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, like, yeah. They were just kind of afraid of like, well, what if I'm just like kind of depressed and nothing is going to fix that? It's very uh, scary. But yeah. I think that you're on to, I mean, you're, you obviously as an artist, you understand that sometimes things are more complex than like question answer because Absolutely. you untangle things even in the way you make things. But I, yeah, recently I've just been thinking this phrase over and over and I'm like, oh, this is, and every time something like it's a simple way, but I feel like, ugh, we were talking about right before we started about how I go off on rants and I'm really trying to be more succinct. So I will try. But the thought I keep having is the question is the answer because I feel like so many people get in these divisive fights, even people who like each other, like me and my twin sister, I've talked about like we are sorting out our differences. We obviously love each other, but we were getting to the point when we lived together where we just couldn't communicate, even though I know deep down we're like, we both want to. So it's like, right. Obviously, we're not doing it on purpose, but it feels like it. And what I realize is, what I mean by the question is the answer, similar to what you say about hard questions, is it's not always about finding the exact answer now, but if you keep asking questions, you'll start to figure out like, well, what is it I want to know? And then you realize you and someone across from you who seem to have different opinions had the same questions. And yeah. you just both answer it differently. And sometimes, like, someone for whatever reason they're entitled to might not want to know that's wrong just yet because they're not ready for the uncertainty. So they may see you getting to that place where it's going to like burst the bubble and that's why they stop it. And so now I sometimes respect that when I realize like, oh, that person's not ready to hear the answer that they actually know in their heart because that's why they're getting defensive. I had to, I had to take a bunch of like, uh, sort of classes on how to educate adults before I started this job. Hmm. And the one sort of through line about it that uh, connected for me that I've sort of it stuck with me is like adults need to feel like they are in control of their own education. Hmm. And like, if you're going to teach them, you can't just, this is the answer. You have to sort of let them think they're arriving at the answer, even if you've sort of prepared the experience for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's most true about like deep things self-realization things yeah. people need to feel like they found it themselves. that's really well said i mean i think that i'll even go so far as to say i don't think it's just adults i think that there's a lot we can fix about the education system for kids obviously that's like sure. once more i'd love to ask too many questions and then it starts to be like stop because then you're like everything's wrong but it doesn't mean you have to fix it now, but it's good to know where we're trying to go because sure. you're correct. Like adults need to feel in control to feel safe, but also children do too. But we don't necessarily focus on that so much because a lot of times adults are like, well, I can keep my children safe. And then over and over you see them not being able to. So right. the reality is children are not as good at keeping themselves safe. So we do have like guardians in place and teachers to help aid them. 
But the goal has always been for a child to learn and then be an adult who can. But because we treat children like they can't, we skip over the part where they, like you said, are supposed to actually arrive at understanding how to feel safe. And then they grow up into adults with a lot of uh, trust issues. <laughs> right. And I mean, they never feel like they're empowered to like, yeah. oh, it's it's actually my job to make myself feel mm-hmm. safe and educated. I mean, I, I and I, of course, I see all the different range that, of that as adults in, in a mm-hmm. film school. But like some adults, they're like, I don't want to do that like just tell me the answer so i can move on like and a lot of those people interestingly enough are really obsessed with grades mm. like they're like i really want to get a grade like a good grade and i i find myself often saying which is kind of a crazy thing to say as a professor but it's like who cares about your grade like yeah. nobody's ever asked me uh at any audition or any film that i've ever made like what did you get in cinematography they've never asked me that and they're never gonna yeah, i keep bringing my GPA out to auditions and right. nobody wants to see it. And... Right. I didn't even check my grades at USC until the end. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, I did fine. But see, Never this is why I love uh, talking about stuff like this and dissecting it as adults because I agree with you now. Like, yeah. I right. was that kid. and it. Oh, yeah. But the reason I can see that was not because I needed to be the best or have the top grades. It was because I like as a child I didn't necessarily have the resources to well I mean I talked about this before too it's like I love my mom it's not about my parents uh they didn't you know they were dealing with a lot but the idea is like if your parents don't have the full capacity to make you feel unconditionally loved and safe you will feel unstable as a child so to me I looked for ways to feel in control which was okay school rules grades Mm. I can learn this and then as long as I get the grades I know I'm doing it right and I get what I need, which is the validation right. and love. So as an adult, I realized, oh, that's stupid. I mean, I can see that I like still did well and like to learn, but the reality is some classes that I didn't do well in like science because it didn't, I just, it wasn't as easy for me to learn, do, learn, do. Actually now when I think about it, I'm like are some of my favorite things to think about, but because in school I didn't, uh, get the grades I wanted I didn't pursue it so the reality is like yeah as adults we can look back and go oh I was that person and I understand why they're doing it but me too this is what I this is exactly what I mean when I say I have more sympathy for students who don't try as hard because I think they know that I think a lot of students who aren't trying as hard they know this they're like yeah I mean I'm not saying that what you're teaching doesn't matter. I just don't care about it, and I don't want to. They matter. They get their validation from the – well, you know what it is, though? I will say I didn't know. Now it seems obvious that I could have – because I was obviously getting enjoyment out of extracurriculars like dance and choir more. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. there was a piece of the puzzle that I didn't see, which is that if I keep doing the things I love, it will be okay. So I felt like I had to do the things I love while doing things I didn't love well. So now I think the way that I don't know how I would do this. I'm, I'm not a parent and like I need to learn more about myself before I can be. But I think the way to like maybe get them to see that is to offer them that feeling that they get when they get good grades through the work, which is yeah. probably what you're trying to do, but they won't realize it until it happens. So it's almost like you have to trick them into being like, you'll get a good grade based on. The, how well this expresses you and then they're like okay well yeah. I need to find me and then they're like Boo, and then they're like oh but it is it is tricky because until people learn it they they don't know it and so like it's ah I think it's I think that's what Montessori schools are trying to do 
Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. I haven't been to one, but I think that's what they're trying to do is exactly what you suggested. And like, this is going to sound insane, but it's true. The best system I know of for that is video games. Video games are explore, really good right? at like, yeah. yeah, they give you a little sound and a notification and like, yeah, I feel great when you have achieved uh-huh. something, when you've learned a thing you want to learn. You might you know? be onto and, something. I mean, like Facebook's developing AR. I don't want to give them that power, but truly, I don't either. If I just feel like if they gave more like comedians and like like not like comed like not like Jerry Seinfeld comedians, but like people making content like us, yeah, uh, paired pair us up with people with the technology and let us fuck around for a bit. I yeah. think we'll make a more decentralized, fun world because. I like the idea of AR. I don't like the idea of Facebook c- controlling it all, but like you're talking about video games, you could actually have some sort of built-in things where it's like, oh, you did something nice. Oh, you tip like ding ding, and you don't get right. anything out of it except for like a. I know we the AI is like I noticed today you got up a little earlier and and actually worked out. Good job, and you're like, oh, yeah, thank you. Like okay, like nothing out of it except for a little bit of like a little hit of you know dopamine. Especially when you're a kid, like mm-hmm. you can't underestimate how useful that is, I think. Uh, and that's what I mean when I say like school isn't is a little dumb in some ways because it's it's not I mean, I'm, and forgive me, I sound like I'm being negative. I love teaching. I love school. I, it's I just think that it doesn't match the, the way that people learn in like an infrastructural way. Uh, and yeah. that becomes more apparent when you're working there. Like, I do think, yeah. for instance, like, go back to high school. Why did I learn pre-calculus? I took pre-calculus. I can't remember any of it now, but why did I learn <laughs> it? How was that a fundamental building block to my life? Now, it could have been if I went into the maths and sciences in some way. Uh, but, like, why isn't why doesn't it branch out, like, after middle mm. school or whatever, where you start to pursue concentrations even at that age? That's interesting. Right? Some people do that. I, yeah, I don't know enough about the curriculum to uh, – because there's a part of me that's like, well, because not every school has the same access to things. So if you don't require Certainly. it, you're really going to put whole um, areas behind. So I do feel like on that note, like, okay, having some minimal GED requirements makes sense. Of course. But I also think the other thing is sometimes you don't realize you like it till you take it or you're good at it. So that's people may too. not know. So that you do kind of like put them, like throw them into this little baby pool and see who swims well. And then you're like, you, you get out. Go to the big That's pool. correct. So, but I took a uh-huh. I took a very dumb class as a freshman in high school called Intro to Business because my dad was like, "This is gonna help you," uh-huh. and it was mostly like how to write checks and stuff. It was really dumb. <laughs> like oh it was my very God. dumb. I love that. Yeah, you can't believe it. Uh, I also it was just me and a bunch of seniors, so was I was Trump very like. No. <laughs> well, I, I, there's a part of me that like appreciated that my dad sort of made me take a class like that because yeah. it's a, you would never take it. No one would ever choose it. And you do learn some things, but on the other hand, it's like, shouldn't this be like some like somewhere in the math wing? It's like you know we're we're doing like if you're a math person, then there's an intro to business class. Like if you're an English person, maybe the journalism class fits in there. You know what I mean? Just yeah. sort of. Well, they do have. I mean, I do. I was a pre-business studies major minor just by accident because the registrar made a mistake. Amazing. And I literally, well, no, I actually took the class, but what happened was as I checked my progress like sophomore year, I saw it on there and I was like, what's this? And being the person that you hate, like kind of person who does things because for no reason but to achieve, I was like, well, that would be really useful to have. I've always wanted to have this. And I was like, let me look into what classes I need to take this. Oh, 
just a few classes at Stern. Well, Stern's a good school. Well, why not? I'll add this to my curriculum. And then, but then I got it for <laughs> literally. And when I asked, they're like, oh, it was an accident. You want us to take it off? I'm like, no, I, this looks cool. I'll do it. Sure. I'll, I'll take this. That, but see, I, to me, that's you owning the education. Right? And like, it, it, once you're at that point, you're owning the education. And of course, try stuff. I took a, <laughs> I took a Taekwondo class in college. Uh-huh. Don't know why, but I took one. <laughs> Well, that's actually really, I've been talking a lot about uh, animals and physicality. And even though those are the classes you think, oh, maybe easy credit or fun. Those are the ones that actually build you skills because you're relieving stress that in college you have so much of. Like I, even when I was working really hard, I still am working really hard, but like out in the world, um, when we were allowed to be out and about on weekends, I would like to go dance and now that I can't, I didn't realize how much I needed it, but I'll literally be cooking and then just start to like, I, it happens Mm. like it's how much I need it. And I think our bodies need to move like that and I don't work out. So it's like, I don't get it out that way. So I'll literally dance around my house. Like I'm at a club by myself, but I need it. And so that's what the clubs are for. And, and I mean, some clubs are also for people to meet each other. But what I realized was, I get to meet people in work, like as a comedian. So I'm going to shake, get the shakies out, you know? Yeah. There, there's about a third of people at a dance club that are that like, no, I dance. That's why it's this and not a bar or whatever. Yeah. That's a real thing. I, there's a girl I used to go to LA clubs all the time with long, long ago when the killers were a new band that tells you. (laughs) And like, she just, she really wanted to dance. Like that was like, don't Mm. fuck with this. I want to dance. So like, okay. And she, that's what, that's what she was there for. Yeah. She wanted to do that. And I was like, great. It's natural. Um, well, I feel like speaking of sharing things, um, it's a good time to ask you, Adam, and I'm sorry if you guys can hear construction. It's been like that all week. So I I would wait for it, but it probably won't pick up on the mic, but if you hear it, Adam, that's what that is. Uh, now I can't stop listening to it. Adam, is there (laughs) anything you would like to tell me? (laughs) I would, uh, I think I might have just missed the boat on cooking at all. Like at I all. might just not be able to cook much. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, this pandemic was the perfect time for me to like, <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to make a lasagna or something. Right. Okay. And like, I won't do it. Uh-huh. I just won't, I won't do it. I don't huh. know why. Like I, like I, I do so much like Grubhub or Postmates or whatever. Uh-huh. And like, it's not even like a work thing. I just, something about me is like, I don't want to do this. Hmm. Uh, and I don't know what it is. Well, okay. I want to unpack this because I love that. Yeah. And obviously you don't need to be a cook to be an adult. But what I like about this is that you said you missed the boat. So you're not coming from a neutral place of like, I don't like to cook or I don't want to cook. There was an element or a part of you that was like, I would, if this was easy, be the kind of person who can cook. So then yes. like a part of you wanted maybe to be that. And then you're like, but not enough to do it. So I want to explain that part. Cause that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, Cause it kind of relates to what you were talking about with these students who mm-hmm. know where they want to go, but it's not the, maybe, maybe you think it might be rewarding to know how to cook, but you haven't felt it yet. So you don't know, or maybe you really don't actually want to cook cause it's not rewarding. But for other reasons, the society tells you that, it would make you seem this way. Like, so that's, I'm curious about this middle area. So hundred percent. what makes you, first of all, I guess want, or I guess, yeah. What, why do you think you need to why, want to cook or need to know how to cook? 
Absolutely. So I feel like uh, a sense that like if I don't learn how to cook, I'm a, a man boy. Like I'm gonna be a man boy till I die, you know. So like, there's like a like I feel like adulthood does mm. require cooking, no matter what anybody says. Uh, that's I mean, also it's cheaper and healthier, mm-hmm. right? So there's like plenty of incentives. I sometimes wonder if it's that part of me that's like I'm not gonna listen to that new band because everybody's talking about them mm, so much. Okay. I have that thing where like I'm not gonna go see that movie until you don't want to uh, be have... doing the thing you have to do because you have to do it. And I want to be able to do it on my own terms. So that means sometimes I just don't do it. You, you know? oh, this is interesting. As a teacher, because I do kind of think like, I don't, I, I think pe- some people call it the ego and the it or whatever. And there's so mm-hmm. many different forms of like, mm-hmm. I just now call it uh, my, my, sel- my self family unit. It's strange, but sometimes I'll p- self parent myself because the, I think the ego is more like the child. But um, you as the teacher, and the student, I feel like a part of you is like, this is okay. I'm trying to put this in words because I'm seeing something interesting. So you as the teacher know that you have to arrive at it by yourself. That's how you see yes. your students. So you don't want to give them the answer. So that's also why you don't want to give yourself the answer by just doing the thing when it doesn't feel like the thing you want to do. So you're mm. waiting to get there. But there is a there is also at some point a meeting in the middle where the student does have to trust the teacher and take that first step and trust so there's two voices in your head right now at least right one that's like yes. i want you to get here and here's what you have to do and then the other one that's like i don't want to do it that way and then it's like trust like which one of them has to give a little yeah <laughs> or you have to rearrange your goals because at a certain point it is just like me every day setting five alarms going like I want to wake up on time but then right. going, do I because if I did I would like and then I had to readjust what is the goal and then yes you can figure it out I got there with screenwriting where like mm-hmm. I for many years it cracked I just wasn't doing writing on my own free time which is mm-hmm. something I needed to be doing and then I tried after we were all laid off to like I was gonna I'm gonna write four hours a day, and like I would just sit there and dick around, right? And so finally I was like, I'm going to write two pages every morning. Yeah. And yeah. I and that was the thing That's that the got thing. me to do it. First thing know? in the morning because what it is is it's actually the thing you want to do. And I know everyone's right. different, but I relate to this too because I used to always think, I'll come home and I'll write, but. Mm-hmm. As, Never, ever would it work. And then during the pandemic, I started waking up with the sun and just being like, I'm awake at a bad time anyways. And I was like, what if I just sat down every morning that as soon as I open my eyes, don't even check emails and just write. At first, it's weird. But what it actually is, is like, oh, I think my brain was like, I want to write. And it was waking me up to be like, yeah. write. And then I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, I there's, can't possibly be why I'm up. And it's like, no, 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 just do it. And then I was like, all right, let's fine. Let's see what happens. And then over time, you're like, Oh, yes. My body was literally going, hello, do it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so when you want to cook, I do think a part of you, like, I don't think you randomly want things. It may not be that you want to cook, but that's why it's good to ask the question of like, is it that you want to cook or is it that you want to not be a quote unquote man boy? And therefore, mm. if that's true, are there other ways to achieve that goal? Or what makes you feel like you're a man boy? Like, so then you can start to like, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? The question yeah. is like, is it? Yeah. Is that a thing that will, is it because there's other reasons you feel like a man boy, but then if you show that you can cook, people can stop calling you a man I mean, boy. So many. So, I mean, when I was, when I was 20, my dream life, 
was to be married with kids and probably being a pastor of some church mm-hmm. and owning a house and and none of that is part of it. Like none of that is part but of my life. But that was what you wanted when you're 20. But is yes. it what you want now? No, I don't because mm-hmm. I feel like I could get a lot of that if I really yeah. wanted to. Uh, so I don't really want that, but I, th- I think I wanted the trappings. I think I want a scene. Okay. Or you also like don't want to let down your 20 year old self, but in reality, you realize it's not really what's good for you. And you are want. a complex person with all the ages you've ever been. So Correct. you're trying to honor all of these wants, but I think if you connect them all and realize like, Oh, that kid learned something on their own mm. that they actually wanted something different but still wanted some things, right? But figured out a better version of it. Then you can let go of the, the picture dream and go, what was it that they wanted? Oh, they wanted to be stable and successful. Oh, well, what does that mean now to me? And then you can figure that part out. You would be a good teacher. <laughs> you, you'd be good. Cause I like how you'd like, you sort of saw a thing and then you connected it later and it was like, oh, that was very organic. <laughs> Thanks. Those who can't, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> I I like teaching, I but it. I don't think I would be. Thank you, but I feel like yeah. I talk too much, um, and I've been told that by many people. Uh, that's that's fixable in a classroom. I do teach myself yeah. things, and I think it helps. Like I yeah. always think in so in French, the word for teach and learn is the same, and I think about that a lot because it it's a slight subtle difference. But in English, because the way we say teach, you're it really feels like this thing that you give someone and then mm-hmm. learn it's this passive thing but then in reality they're both very active like teaching yes. as i untangle that to talk to you uh i had to do some work in my head and then as i learn things i have to do work so they're both active and i think they're i think it's a two-way exchange but i don't think we look at it that way when i was in college it, i i can't remember ever spending any time working on an assignment in class other than mm-hmm. like an essay right yeah but i've i've sort of started to shift to letting students work on their things in class mm-hmm. because i think they learn it better mm-hmm. um and i like my my instinct was like well this isn't really what school's supposed to be like you know what i mean like, i'm supposed to sit there and this is what i mean like school has a sort of archaic things that you have to get over like I thought, well, I'm supposed to teach them stuff and like engage them in a conversation, but I tell them the information and then they go do something. And it's like, well, does it really matter if they hear it from me or if they discover it in a room that I'm in to help uh-huh. them? Like, does it matter? And I think the answer is no. I think it's like whatever whatever way they get it is good for me. You know, it should be good yeah. for everybody. Yeah, because you didn't write the – I mean – some people, teachers do love to teach their own books, but it's still like yes. they're taking what they learned and put it in a book. Right. It's delusional to think that they, it's not like, unless you're, I don't know, Socrates, you didn't come up with every, you know. So it's yeah. like, you're, you're also kind of uh, another vehicle of knowledge. So you're totally right. If they read it in the book or they learn it outside, you don't need to be like, I wanted to teach you because it's like, <laughs> like yeah who cares like as long as they learn it yeah. and, and honestly the kids respect you more when they feel like they got something out of class yeah than when they than when they hear something quotable mm-hmm. you know uh like i don't you went you had a bachelor's in screenwriting right mm-hmm. so did you ever do any actual in-class film work did you guys ever film we had to take work? yeah we had requirements to take uh but it wasn't like we did it in the film department at nyu so it was like there's like yeah Cross because I think they're like well let's just there's a department so they wouldn't right. have film classes for which is like the basic freshman year film students have to take like 
sight and sound and things like that. Yeah. All the dramatic writing students also had to do that. But then they branch off where we go more into, I think they had to do some writing too, but we branch off into specifics yes. like children's TV, 30 minute, you know, one hour, like way more in depth. And they probably just stop and go more into technical. Um, and are, are most of those classes that are the screenwriting classes, are they mostly workshop? Is that what they they're do? They're all, well, they're a mix. So we usually, I don't know if it's still like this at NYU, but it was like, we have a small group that kind of travels with you through all four years. And then there's other different classes with other people. It's a small program, but then there's like other electives you can take, like the children, yeah. the animated. But the core ones were like, you'd be working. Yeah, it's sort of like a hybrid classroom, hybrid writer's room where mm -hmm. you would learn things. But at a certain point, you're, yeah, you just have to be writing. So then we would do pages, but then sometimes we'd like do, you know, study this type of scene and then this structure and then learn about and dialogue. And then write one. And then yeah, write one and then, like that. Yeah, yeah. and then incl include it in our things. Um, yeah. It's interesting to me because, like, uh, film school was largely just projects, projects and mm -hmm. discussion. Like, that's all it really was. And I'm, and there's a part of me that's like, yeah, if, if, uh, if I was going to just start film school over from scratch, I think I would probably have a lot more uh, just sort of like, hey, you're going to show up today and you guys are going to make a thing that you started mm -hmm. from zero and you ended by it being done. Maybe like, there'd be I, a lot more of that. I, yeah, I could see that. I think I wanted to come out of school with more finished works. But to be honest, when yeah. I think about it, even the ones I did finish, like you just grow so much faster once you're out of school. So to me, yes. I think kids can be really focused on trying to make something good or polished and then they, f they skip over their learning. So I think that's why film schools don't do that. Cause when I really, really think about what I learned in film school, the most, I mean, obviously writing is you always want to like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to be good. I want to get it out. But that's, you already ha you come to school with that. So what I really got out of it was being able to see a wide range of other people's work and watch them learn and grow yes because as true. they as they learn something you might see them learning something and learn it too or you might see someone not getting something and that helps you see where you have a strength and, it's true yeah. and yet <laughs> like when i was when i would take directing class at usc like i think i feel like people's goal there was to like show up and not need help yeah, like they were like, I'm goal. so good. I just want to show you right. I'm ready and get the degree so I have the USC degree right. with my talent. And it's like, you're here because you're talented. Ever, like, we know already. But, like, right. there's things that – and I really think the learning comes from the peers because it's like every mm. year there's new movies and you watch them and you're like, oh, this is great. This is... And it's not about one being better than the other. It's about the conversation of art with each other. And there's nothing better than watching – honestly, kind of shitty art, right? Students, it's not yeah. shitty, but like, it's not done. That is where you learn the most because you can see what someone's trying to do and see how they didn't do it well. And then you can learn, oh, if I was trying to do this, I would have to, I would have to fill in these gaps and this and this instead of like being like, it's going to look like this and, and then it falls short and you don't know why. And you don't know why, correct. I, and I think like once you've really gotten all that built up, you can start to have conversations with the, your peers about like, I see you in this work in this way. And I think this other part of you is hindering. Yes. Your work. It's like, I'm carving you know? a statue. Yes, I love that. Yes. I, that. I really notoriously don't like giving notes to people who don't really want them because I, yeah. I, I can't, uh, I just, when people are like, what do you think? I'm like, do you want me to, do you really want to know? Cause usually <laughs> I'm like, I like you and I, 
right. already like who you are. So if you want me to critique your work, I'll be truthful about how well I think it's doing what you want. But uh, I, when I was younger, I would just think, because that's what I want people to do to me. I would just start with that. And then I got some pushback. Like I, I had a friend go like, not, not very happy with me. And I could tell because she didn't want to say it was, wasn't because I said I didn't. I said I didn't like it, but I think she was expecting like, this is great. I like it. And I could yeah, just feel her energy off. switch. Yeah. So then I started thinking like, I also spend a lot of time reading this and giving my thoughts and maybe I will always ask now, do you want to know? <laughs> Before I, I even you bother. Have to. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's also, it's also sort of a gauntlet you lay down, right? When somebody asks for notes and you're like, okay, well, I'll give you notes. They'll be extensive. And I just want to make sure that you're comfortable with that. Or like, I can tell you what my general impression was. Oh yeah. Sometimes I'll say, what are you trying you know? to get out of it? That's why now if I ask for notes from friends, I'll say like, this is where I yeah. am in it. Like if yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm on a like close to final draft, but I want to know if this makes sense instead of like, I'm not looking for like change this character to a boy. Like, unless it's so glaring, like it's right. a little more like, like this is where I am and this is probably what will be the same, but obviously let me know if you, something really doesn't vibe, but like I probably won't change this, but like if you really right. care, you know, you yeah. start to develop that sense of like being able to say the, these are the things that I think were clear that you're intending. And these are the things that are not. Yeah. And now do you want to hear what I think you should do different or is that enough? Right. Right. That's a good, you know, way to put it. and they're like, yeah, Sure. They always say yes. yes. And then they, you know, whether they like it or not. Who knows? But see, I think what you're talking about is something you learn in film school. And I think, yes, it, I agree. Being a comedian, like, and there's also a lot I didn't learn in film school that I had to pick up from. So like, it's a, you know, it's not one is better than the other. Like, I think I went into stand up overly confident and had to be very humbled by like, Oh, you just have to learn it doing it. Mm -hmm. But then people who I know as standups who didn't have those environments, sometimes have a hard time taking notes like we're talking about, but they are better at like riffing on stage and having no structure. So yeah. I do think uh, the, the peer evaluation and taking notes is a skill you pick up in school because you respect your peers. And at that point, nobody's anybody like no matter how arrogant you are, like the reality is everyone's in the same class. So if you really were right. ready to get an Oscar, you would. And you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Have so the Oscar. it yeah. does kind of help hopefully like you respect your peers more and respect their opinions and see over time how different their work is where you're like, mm -hmm. I'm not even competing with you. Like I don't ever feel I'm competing with my stand-up peers or writer peers because going through school, you're like, you're the vampire guy. You're the, I mean like you literally like I see yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. getting good at their thing and it's all so different. I don't even right. need to be in their space, you know? That's true. I mean, I have, I often tell students like hey you know it is very competitive because they need to be motivated to perform mm -hmm. because that's that's a that's an issue in some of the schools i've seen where they're not really like they're like yeah i'll just kind of do a half-ass ever i'm like you can't do that man that's not gonna happen <laughs> like like that's easily weeded out but i think you're right ultimately like i've never felt like i was competing with any of our friends to make content because i never felt like i was making the same content yeah. as them yeah you know it's not you. really and if they uh, tried to make what you do, you already know it won't be as good because it's not you. So it's like. Right. I, I also think it's interesting about comedy that you like the whatever element you put in the room sort of creates a different comedy sensibility. Mm. You know, like that's a real like I felt that very sharply in that world more than I did in like film world, for instance. Oh, uh -huh. Well, film is like more you, one director, right? So that they guide the whole thing. Well, even like a, even a classroom full of directors, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Or even like a, like a writer's group, for instance, that's not in comedy. 
the sensibilities are allowed to sort of be more variable. And I think Hmm. it's because comedians instantly sort of like riff with each other and find this is what makes us both laugh. Mm -hmm. And they, and they make that, Ah. then they begin to make that. Yeah. And that's interesting about, it's actually kind of the fun thing about comedy. It's why it's important to keep changing the room and keep adding new voices to it. Yeah. So it doesn't get stale. Well, you describe something interesting because I love that. I never thought about that way, but that two comedians are finding the thing they, that they both make or laugh at. And most of the time it's the thing that actually makes them uncomfortable because oh yeah where you laugh it's the it's like the edge right and it's the edge where it's like we know the boundaries and we respect each other so nobody feels unsafe so here we are talking about like feeling of safety empowerment but also the question being the answer because they're you're kind mm-hmm. of like asking questions like what do you think of this what do you think oh we both laugh at this because we don't know the true answer like punchlines yeah. are kind of like a fill in the gap of like yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. really what it's going to be, but we both know like this situation's weird. So here's, I came up with an answer that's not real and you laugh at it, you know? It's totally true. And yeah, like you're, you, you have an instinct with a friend who's in comedy to like, what's the weird thing that nobody has said yet? You have an instinct for it. All of, you yeah. know what I mean? Like you just get there. And then like, also, it's also kind of like Voltron or something, right? Where it's like this part and that part actually equals this other thing. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I love that. You know? That's a good way of yeah. thinking about it. Some people do think like, oh, I'm the best. But I think if you're doing a lot of like, I think if you're a headliner, you start to have to believe it. You have to because you get told that. And then it's like, if you're like on stage and like, I suck. It's like a few people can pull that off. Uh, like a few people, not sure. in a bad way, but like, like Mike Kaplan sure, yeah. is so great. And he's also so humble on stage, but is great and knows it. But he's mm-hmm. not on stage being like, fuck you. He's like always like, oh, thank you guys for coming. And then he does something amazing. So like right. people can do that. It's just over time, I think it's like comedians always know the truth. And if they don't want to admit it, then they fill it in with lies. So it's That's someone, interesting. Well, someone who's like a headliner who gets too big, like like Jerry Seinfeld or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that he was never a great comedian, but I could say that he maybe is overvalued now because now he's a celebrity, right? He's not being paid for yes. his comedy. He's being paid for his celebrity. Doesn't negate his comedy, but he knows that deep down. So if he's going around and someone might come for him, then he will just, you know, overcompensate with like, oh, well, things are too PC now anyways, which is like, that's a lie. And you know it. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's a that's a there's no courage in that answer at all. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld, I think of as being so successful that now he's isolated. Yeah. So he's not as challenged to make interesting stuff. Like, even though, of course, you know, this person's disgraced himself. One of the things I liked about Louis C.K.'s show Mm. is that there was a recurring segment where he would hang out with the comedians Mm. and like they would process something. Yeah. That's what they would do. Like, you know, it'd be full of middle aged, you know, angst or whatever. (laughs) But that still felt very real to me. Like, that's a thing that comedians yeah. generally do. We, that's the you reality know? that I think a lot of people who don't sit with that feeling, I think, think in black and white and then want to defend. Like, the reality is life has the gray area, which is, like, mm-hmm. Louis is an example of, like, just, like, I, I think some people want to either just like him or hate him. And then people who want to still like all the stuff he does have to ignore all the bad stuff. Whereas, like, the reality right. is you could just look at the truth, which is that he did some bad stuff and that 
just changed your opinion of him. And also he's done some cool stuff that helped you. And that doesn't make you a bad person if you like or were helped by his comedy. But I think that's, those are the parts that people can't quite uh, sit with, which is like, oh, does this make me bad? Cause I think this. And so those are the questions for, like, I think that are going to help you get to your answer instead of being like, oh, let me just t- jump onto this like train of Twitter trolls or whatever, you know? I kind of, I also kind of believe that uh, with, with some obviously restrictions, it's good for people to accept the earnestness of their past if it was honest like mm. like if you honestly liked louis ck you know and now you're like aware of what he did and you're like mm. he's bad you don't have to say you never liked him right like you yeah. don't have to go back and retcon history you can easily go back and say well i genuinely had this experience is that because of a flaw in me or is that because mm-hmm. we didn't know this or both yeah, you're talking about you know? learning. You can right. allow yes. your brain to learn and change. Right. But I think we sometimes believe that as adults, we're fully, like, there's no moment where you actually are, like, done learning, ding, like, yeah, done yeah. cooking, yeah, right? Yeah. And you're an adult. But somehow, because we can look back, like, 10 years and go, well, clearly I was dumb then. But you can't look back on yesterday and go, right. I was dumb then. But there, the reality is, like, your brain's always growing. So, obviously, like, you can look back and say you changed. I think the problem people get uh, stuck on is the pattern. So I really think mm-hmm. we've, we're in a world where people do take advantage of uh, empathy, like abusers do, where they'll say sorry, but they don't mean it. And there's no real way Absolutely. of knowing until you observe over time if they repeat a pattern. So most of the time, people like that, like Louis included, is constantly repeating a pattern, doesn't really show that he's actually trying to change. So for someone like that, it's like, Oh, it's not, we're not saying like, oh, so you have no redemption. It's just like, yeah, but it's someone showing their ability to grow and change is different from someone who's repeating a pattern and just getting you in a cycle, you know? So it's like, that takes time to figure out. And that's why I think it's not about canceling people because then there's no time, but it's about allowing for gray area, but also as people do bad things, like slowly you can change your opinion like you don't have to all at once change it but no 100 percent. i don't know what the right answer for anybody who uh is in a boat like louis ck's to redemption is but i do know that fixing your life after a mistake like that is going to involve uh some big big changes like a lot of big changes and returning to where you were you're never going to return to where you were like you have to return to a new place Mm. that's based out of new motives and that just takes so much time to get there yeah but i would even argue that this is where i i think the idea of like the comedians filling it in with a lie comes in is because i would argue Mm. he was never there where he was like that That could be true too a mirror right like we didn't know he was well some of us knew like but people didn't know he was doing such like awful things in a way that was so unapologetic and unashamed and he had a different image. So actually he was never that, like he was never that great guy because the whole time he was like that. So he wants to get back to where you think he's that. That's the lie because he's not like, I can't wait to go back to the time where I wasn't, you know, prompt. I didn't have the urge to expose myself. He's like, I can't wait to go back to the time when I was allowed to expose myself and I didn't get caught. Yeah. So that is, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, because he definitely <laughs> seems to have like made self-awareness a kind of cushion, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm self-aware, 
So like, which is sort of like what you're saying about people taking advantage of empathy. Because mm-hmm. I think that's another, that's the Gen X way of doing that, right? It's like, well, I'm self-aware about this thing that I'm doing that's terrible, so that's okay. Yeah, uh, it's tough because sometimes, I don't think people are good or bad. I do think some people lean into one or the other. But like, I, you know, have having my own unstable moments and now being in a relationship with someone stable, I find that there are times when I'm like, oh, am I, like, I don't think I am, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, am I like my abusive ex, you know, when I'm, like, crying, and, and I'm like, oh, shit, like, does he, could he think I'm being manipulative because I'm crying, and, and then and then I'll have to step back, and then I'm like, it isn't about me, because in that moment, I want to be like, let me explain, I really feel this, but I'm like, no, nothing I say will, that, right. like, the point is, instead of being like, how does he see me, I have to go, if I'm not, like, a selfish person, and if I have empathy, I need to say, I don't care how he sees me, how is he feeling? And if I feel whether or not I'm right or wrong in my feelings, if I feel I could alleviate suffering or whatever or help the situation, then I do my part. That's empathy, right? Like there are times when I'm like, I really want to be comforted, but I can tell that this is hard for him or it's a lot. And and I'm right to need comfort. Like it's not, not right or wrong, but if I'm empathetic and I can see I'm pushing it, perhaps I can understand it's not his job, even if he wants to help. And I can calm down, take a step back and maybe like go outside or whatever and, and calm myself down. So it's like that, those little moments are the hard work. That's the lie, right? Yep. Like I would yep. lie to myself and say like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. But the truth is somebody, they don't owe you anything. Like you're the, you're the only one responsible and people can help. But uh, yeah, there's always room to like, suss it out i don't know does that make sense it does yeah it makes me think about like a a thing i've thought a lot about over the last 10 years is like how do you forgive somebody who doesn't really apologize you know uh and i think that's who louis ck is he's a guy who didn't really apologize i think you realize you don't need them to well it's tough because i used to be like the kind of person who's like i want to be revengeful forever and then i started trying to fix myself because i realized oh i keep getting these situations and then you hit a right. point where you're like, God damn it. I have no more anger and I forgive everyone, but that's not fair. Yeah. To, like, I it's don't want them to fair. know. I shouldn't have yeah, to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but then at a certain point, you're just like, oh, I just like, they're really in pain. Like that doesn't excuse it. it explains it though. Like, like someone like Trump, when I see oh, him, 100%. when people yeah, ignore absolutely. him and he's still throwing a tantrum, I just see how sad he is. It doesn't excuse it. Again, I'm not sympathizing with him or right. telling you to feel bad for him. It's just the truth. Someone who treats people that badly does not feel good, and they can't help they themselves. They can't. Yeah, they can't feel good if and they're they doing that. they want to, and they, yeah. they think that if they make you feel bad, it'll feel good, and people try to help, and you can't, and at a certain point, you just go, oh, like, I am sorry I can't help you, but actually, you can't make me feel bad because I like myself, and I don't think anything you say is true. And, and like, you, I don't need to buy into your structure. Like that's the thing with Trump yeah. is like you have to, everyone has to buy into his grid of how world the world works and you don't have yeah. to do that. Uh, forgiveness, and I've is ultimately like somebody has to pay a price for that. Somebody has to, <laughs> you know, like it's not a zero sum. But you it's already not a, paid it. I think people forget that when someone does true. something bad, the da- like that's what I realize is like 
I, I mean, I do think people should seek justice when they can and when they want Absolutely. to, but I don't yes. think people have to. And I hate when people are like, this happened to you. You must, cause it's like, you know what? It happened to me. If you actually believe it happened to me, then you believe that I suffered and it mm -hmm. happened. So if I think the best way for me to suffer less is to forgive and move on, then you should respect that because I agree. it already happened and I was the one that paid for it. And so, you know what? Like, I don't need them to pay for it. Like I already paid it. Consider it done. Like, you know. And I think that that's really admirable in some ways because the truth is if nobody – if you don't forgive somebody when you're in a place of pain, you will ultimately continue to feel that pain. Yeah. Like, like that's the difficult thing about it is like even if they don't deserve it or they don't ask for it, you're still going to feel the pain of it. Yeah. So you kind of have to – you have to sort of think of forgiveness as being independent of what they do. Yes. Uh, and that's hard to do. I, I don't know how to do it well, but uh, – but I've, that's what I've come to in the last 10 years. It's a that. little bit like they gave you something, like a hot potato that they didn't want to hold because it hurt them. Right. And you're holding it and you're waiting for them to take it back. So that's why, so you can let go of it. But you realize you can just drop the hot potato and walk away. Yeah. Well, you realize like you can hold it till it cools. It's going to get cool. You can just drop it though. You don't yeah, have to hold the pain. Right. Because what happens Correct. a lot of times, it'll be like abusers will lie and tell you you're not good enough, things like that. So you'll hold on to it waiting for them to apologize and say i lied you are good enough but you can also go oh i am good enough and that's it like i just don't really need right. them to tell me Absolutely. and it's fine uh yeah oh man okay wait you made me think of, I, I wasn't going to share this but i think it's kind of funny and related but it was something right. that happened in therapy because this week i was in therapy and i was telling my therapist about like some like kind of shitty stuff that was happening at work and then she was mm -hmm. like some people just need to be, or she was like, some people just need a spanking. And I immediately was like, no, I shook my head. I was like, I no, I don't think so. And then she mm. doubled down and was like, or to she like tried to like backtrack and said, no, I mean like an emotional spanking. And I still was like, no, that's not, that's not the thing. And then she was mm. like, uh, what did she say? Oh, cause I also, she knows that I like, you know, my, I, my parents like Asian parents, not uncommon, but you know, they hit their kids. Uh, but she mm. is white and very lovely, but I think, she sees it as like either a joke or like, Oh, this is so bad. But like, didn't see it as like, I'm me and it's like complex and there's a gray area. So when she said that, I was like, no. And then she said, well, you know, some people are just so bad that they like need to suffer to learn. Like people don't learn without punishment. And I just kept being like, I disagree. I know we're out of time, but I just need, I just need you to know this is <laughs> lodge this in the minutes. This is how yeah, we ended up here in the first place. I really yeah, don't yeah. think that will make me feel better. I don't think it will yeah. make them feel better. To be honest, I think they are suffering. That's why they need to get rid of it by causing pain. And yeah, I wish there was more power I had to make it stop, but definitely don't think hurting them is going to make it stop. So it's like, but it was really interesting, interesting moment. Cause she really like, I could tell she meant to make me feel better. That was her goal. Right. In that right. moment, her goal wasn't to say the truth, but she knew it would make me feel better. And then in my, my goal in that moment was like, I'm just kind of trying to actually untangle this mess and figure out how to, how I can feel better. And I realized it's not to hurt them. <laughs> But I, I kind of like in some ways how the psychiatrist or psych psychologist is like a – or therapist is like a – is like an externalized version of your inner monologue. Huh, yeah, you know true. What I mean? That so, is like an like, ego thing. I have thought, but yeah. then I – like I yeah. then think it through and I have the conversation. I go, I don't think so, you know. Yeah, that's really what – like you went back to sort of an orthodoxy of, of sorts, right? Uh -huh. Like a belief system and you're like, that's not how we're going to uh, address the world. Mm. But you flirted with the idea, and then you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm 
Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of us do pain management, period. Yeah, right? true. Sort of like, you know, okay, I have this pain. Am I gonna am I gonna lash out or am I gonna be passive aggressive or does it need to be confronted? Or mm-hmm. do I have a sort of deeper truth I can lean on that mm-hmm. helps me get past it? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It is like having a full conversation with yourself instead of yeah. just listening to the first line. Like the log line. It's like, don't just, right. if you like the log line, read this full script. I don't know. I'm right. trying to put it in. Or the whole, the whole synopsis or whatever. Yes, because yeah. it's usually not what you think it is. There's always well, I mean, a twist. <laughs> a lot of times I think therapists are just sort of forcing us to continue the dialogue past the first couple mm-hmm. lines, right? Which is what you were saying. Uh, and I, I, that's a really valuable service. Yeah, True. You know, because yes. I get in patterns where I can't escape the yeah. initial problem or the initial three things that I think. Yeah, you can't get out and you just think negative statements. I think that's why I like the idea of questions, which to bring back to your as we get towards sure. the end, your confession yeah, yeah. of cooking. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 because this is all rare to me, very relevant. So mm-hmm. I want to see if this conversation changed anything in the sense of mm. the question. Right. So it's like, OK, I, I'm never going to cook. Do you. So I think. My question first is, is the, is the, has the goal changed? Is the goal to cook? Is the goal to be a man child? Is the goal to just accomplish something that you wanted to do and you're mad that you actually realize you don't want to do it, but you kind of don't want to be a giver upper? Like, has the goal at all changed about the situation? I think, uh, you'll, I, if I'm being really honest, I think the only reason I feel I need to cook is to impress a, a, a person I would date. Mm, okay. I really think that's the only, like, I don't feel like, man, I wish I could cook for my own benefit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if I, aside from money and health, like if I just didn't have those problems, I would never cook. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't feel even like, I wouldn't feel even a little bit bad about it unless I met some woman who was like, what are you uh-huh. doing, man? You know, oh, like, I feel like that's the only thing. Oh, okay. Really. This is great because I feel like I'm yeah. seeing now we're getting out of the binary because now I'm like, yes. we've opened a whole world of options. Yes. And I'm not just saying like, oh, learn skateboarding to impress a woman. I'm saying like within this <laughs> realm, which if you can only, always do, but only. I'm saying within the realm of cooking, because like, let's yeah. not open it too big. Let's still start with this idea of the home. She comes home right. and she want, you want her to see your space is taken care of. There is a world, and I could totally see a lot of women who would like this. If you have a very nice kitchen, which you don't have to cook in, you have a nice mm. kitchen. She starts hanging out. You have all the things she can cook. It's very comfortable to cook in a nice kitchen. You can even do groceries. You can cook together. Mm. There are mm. ways to get all, all those feelings you want her to have, feeling like she's home, feeling like you know how to take care of yourself. The toilet paper is stocked. There's a trash can in the bathroom. Ooh, a lot of men don't have points. that. And the kitchen is clean and nice, but you don't cook in there. That's why it's so clean. And it's like, right. that is very impressive when she comes over. And, you know, great point. there's a lot very of ways you can get to these things. And I think mm. that it wouldn't take away. And in fact, you, the person you like, because that you're not the kind of person who likes to cook, probably is also not that person who needs you to cook. And Might, probably not. her personality may be similar to yours, where she wants all those like image things like you, but Genuinely, you connect on a different level. So you can right. have the facade when your friends come over of a nice kitchen and you're both like, hey, we ordered takeout or whatever, you know? This is very helpful. I, I feel like uh, I, the, like the sort of slightly deeper level on this mm-hmm. co- question is like, I seem to run into a lot of women who they their love language is sort of being like served. 
like mm. like sort of acts of service, uh, which is not how I feel or experience love. But I do think I want to find ways to communicate to people like mm. in that space and cooking such an easy one mm-hmm. that seems like it should be enjoyable. So I, that I do think I'm missing that piece. You know what I mean? But like where so I want to find some you can way do to nurture someone. But I think you're yeah. I think that's really interesting if you tend to because there's patterns and there, that means there's something right. about them that is trying to address a part of you that like you're repeating so then it, right. to get out of the loop it's like slightly there's something you maybe yeah. can can't you can learn from someone who needs to be served but it might not be that you need to be more serving i don't know what it is you only you know but like good point yeah, it's like I often for a while was dating emotionally unavailable people and I was like overly attached and thinking like, well, I'm not the problem. I'm ready to commit. But uh, what <laughs> I realized was I don't think I was ready to truly love myself. So I was yeah. dating people who didn't love themselves. And therefore, when they treated me poorly, that felt right, even though I was like, but I want more. But I wasn't giving myself more because I wouldn't have dated them Interesting. in the first place. if I Right. Dated. Yeah. So there's there's right. like things you can learn. But again you can't rush it you have to just learn it did you move did you move out of it did mm-hmm. you get out of that i did i had a very uh, hard fall and hard le- hard lesson to learn it but okay so there was a there was a very this was so bad up. i had to change yeah moment. if you don't learn the lesson eventually the lesson <laughs> will school you but right right eventually you're gonna learn it yeah yeah but then yeah. where i am now is i feel like uh hundred miles better where I'm like, Oh, there's so much I learned. So I don't mean that people need to suffer again. Like I know it sounds like that's what I'm saying. I think on the other end, you realize you don't need to suffer, but I only know that now. So hopefully people (laughs) who know that can add to the good and will eventually get to this place where people don't. I needed to suffer. Perhaps you do not. Yeah. I don't think people do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's, I haven't really, I'm too, so far, have been pretty hard-headed. So suffering has been part of all my big learnings so far. But I <laughs> hope to be better. Yeah, there's no, I mean, that's the part of life, right? If you got to a yeah. place where you were totally done, like, you would literally be dead. I mean, like, yeah, it would be at that point. Yeah, fire would pick you up, yeah. At that point, because right. I've thought about that. Sometimes I'm like, am I getting close in a way where I'm like, right, slow down, I'm not ready. Because there's times when I'm like, I'm sometimes so at peace where I'm like, ah, I don't need anything. And I'm like, well, no, but you're going to live for a while. So you really should be like working and making money. That's an interesting belief. So like you feel like once the lessons are done, that's the end of the life. I get a little scared. I'm getting too close to be honest. And that's probably a quarantine thing because I'm not being stimulated, but I am starting to get to the place where I'm like, obviously I still, my ego is still like make the money, be famous, be successful. But deep in my heart, if you ask, like I, if someone was like, would you take a chance to like, you know, I don't know, let's say like, here's a huge million dollar deal or whatever. And, you know, be on TV, but you'd have to do something against your belief system. I couldn't say yes right now. So I think Mm. there was a time when it would have been hard, but that scares me because I know in my mind, I keep saying my goal is to get those things. But if I can't say yes, that means it's not really my goal anymore. And that does scare me because my goal, I think now is just to be at peace with myself, which I'm not ready for that. I want to still be, I have ears. Like, I mean, the sound, I'm sounding way like, I'm not, I'm totally not perfect and not enlightened at all. It's just that I'm more aware of the ego, but I, the ego still drives sometimes, but I, I'm very aware. Oh of yeah. It. My ego is, is always going to try to get back in the driver's chair. Yeah. Like that's just lifelong struggle. Mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by this idea of like, we learn the lessons, then we depart. 
because there's nothing. That, more. Do you really well, believe you can that? Stick around and heal people, but then you will That's be true. suffering. The more you heal, I mean, the reality is it, it does take a lot out. Sometimes I find myself wanting to reach out and help people, and then. I feel drained, but I don't think it's my job. And I think that's also part of yeah. me I haven't learned, which is like probably I'm not healing all of myself and that's why I'm trying to heal others. So sure. even that is like not as noble as it sounds. It's me ignoring a piece of myself. So I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think service of other people, like helping other people needs to check some selfish box. Mm -hmm. uh, like I've, I'm just not an all, I don't believe in altruism in the sense that people <laughs> usually mean it. Uh, and I think it's fine if it does. Well, as everything's as... selfish, but if you believe that we're all one and we're all in the universe, then helping someone else is helping yourself. Right, exactly. Right. And at the very core, at least that's true. And also, like, uh, you know, you would ideally want to use your talents for that purpose, too, right? Like, isn't that really the dream? Yeah, because uh, I think some people, the old comedy uh, was like hacky, where it's like you make fun of someone to get a laugh. And if you thought that's right. the only way and you want to be funny, you would lean into that. And it's like, Right. As a student, like if you told me that, even if I didn't like it and I wanted to be comedian, I would probably try to learn it. But now I realize, oh, I can make people laugh by being myself and being nice, which is yeah. doesn't sound very funny. I know, but uh, it can work. You just have to find the, the, the middle ground funny thing that's funny to everyone that doesn't hurt or whatever. And then adjust when it hurts. Like, don't be like, well, I'm funny, so you're wrong. Just go, oh, OK, now I can adjust to a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's even been that recent where being mean wasn't funny anymore i feel like it hasn't been funny for quite some time yeah uh, but there's the definition of mean changes like an example uh yeah okay i'll say this example and then i want to play a quick game uh, but sure yeah i uh i was writing a like kind of a satirical review f uh for this um website and they're they're very like inclusive uh queer friendly language which i am as well so i wasn't like this wasn't a bad thing, but they're also coming from being on my side. So it didn't feel like defensive, but right. they edited because I was talking about being bisexual. So my personal experience, there is some binary to it, even though I understand that there's more than two genders. But in one of the jokes I made was talking about like, oh, dating men and women. So they are like, we totally get your experience. But like, is there a way you can write this so that it acknowledges or includes other genders? My first thought was like, Ugh, but then it was like, oh, yeah, sure. And then I pushed it to be, uh, I made a joke that I thought was funny, but then I asked my boyfriend because I was like, is this mean? And I would say, well, I, instead of listing genders, I listed types of people. And I said, like, even short men or whatever. And then he was like, right. kind. I was like, is this mean? He's like, kind of. And I was like, really? And I wanted to be defensive being like, it's okay to make fun of short guys because, like, I don't have a problem with them. I just don't like how they make me feel tall. And then he was like, hmm. <laughs> well, no, because it's like they don't, like, yeah, yeah, short yeah. guys don't want to date tall women and then they lash out and yeah. they mean to you. And so right. I'm also, as I said that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm talking, to, that's the gap, that's the lie. They feel bad, therefore they make me feel bad. Doesn't mean I can make them feel bad. So I realized like, okay, you're right. So I changed, so I changed it and then I liked what I came up with much better, which I like listed a bunch of random things and, and then one was like, and tall people, because I was like, okay, everyone like that and the sentence ended up being funnier and to me i was like oh see we found it but i had to drop the ego the part where i was like i don't think this and it's like it doesn't matter because <laughs> if yeah. someone reads that and they don't like it like they think you think that so why don't you just try a little harder and make it funnier <laughs> that's great i love that uh what a cool story 
That's really interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, and I love, yeah. yeah, this was such a great convo. I knew this would be a fun one because I feel yeah, like yeah. At, when we worked at Cracked, we got, often get into philosophical conversations. All the time. <laughs> I still like, uh, what am I like? I think, I think of it fondly, but I also like, can't believe it happened <sighs> is like the time where I was like, Hey, you and I should go like eat and like have a, <sighs> like have a chat. Right. Cause like we, we really, uh, by the time you got to Cracked, we weren't all doing hangouts as much as we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, great. So we set it up. And then, like, I went to oh, the wrong one. Oh, you went to the one. wrong one? That's I went to the wrong one. I remember that. Oh. And you, like, had to wait for an hour and a half while I drove across town. It was so dumb. <laughs> uh, but it was very fun. So, yeah, this is this is a... This reminds me of the old days. Yeah, in a good way. man, I miss yeah. cracked. Well, yeah. the game, I, it's not really a game, but I, I've been, it is a game. I end with a fun thing that's not related Great. to the confession, but um, this is called Three Rules. Very simple, just because we've been th- talking so much philosophy and, you know, with government mm. and all these restructuring. So it's just, if you could start your own, like, ville, ville, island, whatever, town, mm-hmm. in the real world, so, like... Th- element of suspension of disbelief but in the real world so no magic rules but let's say that everyone who lives there wants to live there so they come in knowing these are the rules they'll do their best to follow it what would be three rules that everyone has to follow it doesn't have to be government it could be it could be simple it could be whatever okay uh my first one would be uh if you can't operate out of good faith, wait. Oh, wait like to do that. the thing. Okay. Whatever that is. Hard to enforce, uh, but how would would you enforce it, or just more like general golden I th- rule? I, th- I again, good faith is the kind yeah. of thing you can't enforce, except for in like extreme legal cases. I think you can do it, <laughs> right? Where it's like, well, that obviously, uh-huh. is, like for instance, I think some of these Trump lawsuits that are happening right now <laughs> are bad faith, and I mm-hmm. think it's okay to say that it's bad faith and just uh, to to yeah dismiss them for that reason and that is a legal requirement i just think that in general that's a really key ingredient to people feeling good about the world they live in whatever mm-hmm. that is so good faith yeah uh, that's good that's, so that's like a f- setting a high yeah value system that everyone subscribes to i like that right uh i think the second one would be if it doesn't immediately impact you mm-hmm. if you're not immediately impacted by this decision or rule uh then you will have less input than the people who are. Okay, and like in voting. You know? Um, I'm thinking more like town conversation. I'm, th- I'm honestly thinking more relationally than like government. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. So, like for instance, this is a controversial. Yeah, point give us an example. So I'll give you a great example. So, like a lot of people, I come out of a conservative culture, and I think a lot of people, they're the values there that have been most. Hmm contentious have been gay marriage and mm. abortion mm-hmm. both of which are things that to me it's i think it's really easy to just be like even if you don't agree with it you don't have to do it mm-hmm. and like that should be a really fundamental part of how we decide this is yes. like if they're not forcing you to do it then like your input should be limited on whether it should exist or not yes that's a good no. point yeah that is has always there's so many logic holes to that that it does feel like it that comes out of that emotional fear right because like to make something illegal doesn't make it go away just like killing people has been illegal for a long time and people still right. do it so it's like for obvious know. reasons <laughs> like, yeah for yeah. obvious reasons like uh but then making yeah. killing if they really believe killing it's killing a baby or whatever like not to get into like there's so many you know arguments for it but 
their solution is not to teach people or to under have them understand their solution is to make it illegal it's like well you know killing people is illegal so do you really think this will work or do you think this is just like a big shebang to do show theater show so that like, right like yeah i and i you know if there's any if there's any pro-life people that listen to this podcast first of all welcome you, uni- you unicorn i can't believe you're Honestly, here i say that i mean i'm not pro-life i say i'm pro i'm pro-choice but sometimes i'm like i'm gonna start saying that because i would have a family by now if i was uh living my dream getting paid a proper wage and right. you know had the access to health care to solve my childhood trauma earlier and therefore provide for a family and fall in love and raise a beautiful child or ugly doesn't matter um till 18 years honestly if you don't let that happen you're not pro-life because i would be having a baby <laughs> Okay, I'm one of those. I would I have had valid. it. Okay, yeah. give me the money and resources. I mean, I'll also like I think pro life needs to be expanded to like improving the lives that are currently exist. Yeah, the minute you know the I mean? baby's like, out of yeah. the womb, they're like, well, well, we don't care about you anymore. It's like functionally, they, yes. They need you. That, that's time. Function. No, you're right. I mean, functionally, that is absolutely true. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely true. So those are two rules. Okay. Uh, I, like I think my third one, and this is just like a pet peeve I've had over yeah, the last yeah, like, six years. Yeah, have a fun one. Uh huh. Well, I don't know how fun it is, oh, okay. but like, uh, I think jurisdiction should not matter hmm. for most things. So like, uh, like you know, some things like getting a divorce or whatever, mm-hmm. sure. But like, if I commit a crime, right? Like, let's say it's in Los Angeles. Uh, there's no reason why I have to be tried like mm-hmm. in the immediate area that that crime happened. Mm-hmm. And like, why can't there just be a lottery of like jurisdiction within a certain oh. range? And like, Ooh, here's another better example. Jurisdiction is a huge part of how we're deciding voting stuff. Yeah. And the principles of jurisdiction are how our entire election process works. Right. Yeah. Like, like why the fuck really does good. Iowa matter so much? <laughs> fuck that. You know, like Iowa's just a state, and yet they're uh-huh. they have outsized input on everything that happens to us nationally, because we once long ago decided they're the first ones in the primary, and yeah. to me that's a jurisdiction problem. Yes. It's like no, 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 do a lottery every year, do a lottery. So like this year, California's first, and Kentucky's second, and hmm. so on and so forth. It's like a draft. Because yeah, so that people can't, <laughs> so you can't set up on things like that and game the system. Because a lot of people are using those kinds of rules to game the system, not yes. to create justice. They were created to supposedly help, but they backfired. Like, what, it's an interesting, like, joking, jokes aside about, like, the uh, NFL drafter. It's like, the reality is, when we see that, we're like, oh, well, they're all part of the same league, so they're all on the same team. But it's like, well, are we not part of the same country? Are we not part of the right, same team? Right, exactly. So that's the, like, I guess not to keep harping on the lie, but now that I started, I'm like, oh, I see it everywhere. It's like, yeah, we never agreed on that. People do feel like they're against each other. And it's like, well, then is it a lie? Like, maybe before we move on, we need to figure out why we feel that we're not all on the same page. Like, as a country, I feel like that's a very important thing. Like, if we establish that our goal is to make this country great and help, that means all the citizens then it'll be easy to move forward. I think that might be a lie in some states. Yeah, I mean, or certainly if it was true, it isn't now. Like, I don't think yeah. that with with social contracts that truths are eternal. No, and that's I mean? really like, the or, thing they talk about in, uh, is it Rousseau, right, the social contract? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, that's Hobbes. Oh, okay. But yes. Rousseau talks about anim- animal or trading safety, I think, for, uh, it's safety for freedom, and it's 
the right. I, he does it in a better way than I'm right. talking about it. But he does go into the idea of like nobody actually starts from the same place, but you kind of find a collective consensus. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Like as you move further away, the consensus might change, but there isn't actually a line, right? Borders are fake. It's not like you cross a line. You're like, ah, now I believe that it's, I'm allowed to be gay. Like, right. Exactly. Come on now. Yeah. So it's yeah. more or you, drugs are legal now. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. So your brain you know, like, kind of subsidizes, like fills in the hole with the, the lie. Cause you, in order to mo- live in that state, you have to be like, well, I live here, so I believe this only because I want order, because I want yes. other people to believe this thing I believe. And it's yes. like, well, that's a good solve for now, but maybe what we need to do is over time figure out what's causing these um, inconsistencies and if there's Agreed. any merit to like trying to see another side or them seeing your side. I also, and I know that any conservative who listens to this is going to blast me for the rest of my I'm life. I'm full of conservative I, listeners. Me, Teresa, and a yeah, bisexual yeah. Asian comedian. <laughs> all conservative listeners. <laughs> I would I would ban originalism as a way of doing logic or investigation in my, in Wait, my country. Wait, what is originalism? Originalism like original is, is the, in the Bible idea. Or? Well, no. So that's like the one text that I would not have a problem with originalism. <laughs> like, or like, for instance, the I Ching or something like that. A religious text, I completely understand why we're doing originalism. A contract text like, the, like a government constitution it's, originalism's mm. insane. Yeah. Completely insane. And the principle, for those of you who don't know what it is, is that we're trying to get back to the intended meaning of the author oh, like as the way, okay. as the only way to interpret what it means. And like, I'm all for author authorial intent as a as a criteria for meaning. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, there's so many problems with it. Some of them like are economic and inherently racist and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And also, it's just like not viable. Yeah. It's not viable. It's stupid. Why are we going back to what they decided in 1776? Because that's the contract? Yeah, how are you okay with new iPhones and not cool with exactly getting jobs? <laughs> it's like- and, like, that, that's the crazy <laughs> thing is, like, so, like, originalists will omit certain things, like Thomas Jefferson's statement that, like, we should redo this every 20 years. Yeah. The Constitution needs to yeah, be because he understood how he changed over his life. And he's yeah, probably like, I'm sure right. I have blind spots, which he did. But he knew that and was like, I would be down to change them once new information is presented about how I'm wrong. Like, that's how Obviously. those founding fathers thought. Doesn't excuse some of the, you know, like, their slave owners. But, like, they, I think a lot of them truly believed at the time that they would be willing to change given information. And that's why they pushed for change. And I think the intent, if anything, would be for a society to keep getting better not to like stay the same like Uh, yeah i would ban it i guess maybe i'd put like a statute of limitations right it's like if we're in a lawsuit or like some kind of a criminal enterprise Mm. and originalism spans back longer than one lifetime then i i'm like well what's i don't think we i don't think we need the original intent anymore yeah after that because it's not the people who are being governed like it's like right none of the people who are under this law agreed to it so like uh you know i mean sure they did by being here but like i never signed a document that said you know like uh i'm going to abide by the 1776 interpretation of the constitution yeah wow we may need to get uh, a virtual meal and talk more because you just started more thoughts that i feel like if i start it'll go forever because when you said when you talked about being being here like being born is the ultimate like being born in a different country with different rules, you're all of a sudden, you may not be able to leave. Right. But if That's we all correct. believe that people are all, you know, 
deserving of life, which I do, and I think most yeah. people deep down do, but sometimes they'll like yeah. cognitively dissociate from it, then you would also realize that's so ridiculous. Um, right. Because they didn't choose to go there. But yeah. you, your your reality should not be determined or interpreted through the lens of things you did not control. You yeah, know, like, or you should have an principle. ability to adjust it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, obviously, there's certain realities like, you know, wealth and skin tone and stuff that are you can't change them fundamentally until you're an adult, hmm. if then. But you still those things should not. Though, but those are both things that you've described that are just that are actually a second tier traits right there. Yes. They only have meaning because of the way we've put uh, an in, in balance or we've. What's the word? We've uh, not proportionately. We've invested values. Yes, yeah, we've we put value disproportionately in put yeah. values in those because in reality, if we're really talking about survival, like money doesn't, like money's, money's not a money's not real. Yeah, like animals yeah. don't do that, and like right. money is actually designed to make it harder, I think, to survive. Because if I was kicked out on the street tomorrow, I would have to be like, gotta get a job, gotta get money. Where it's like, if I was an animal, I'd be like, gotta find shelter gotta get food but yeah, i can't food, just break food, into food, food water yeah, that's but what i would think. i would suddenly be like gotta leave town to find food because anywhere here i'm stealing so it's like <laughs> doesn't right make that's that. yeah that's a crazy right Our as an animal you could private, just be like here's a sandwich i will eat it but it's like you can't like private private property is an interesting concept <laughs> also because like uh i mean i'm i don't want to be sit here and give every wacky thing that i've toyed with in my brain <laughs> I know. But private property is like a weird agreement that we all have. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I think it's bad. Certainly when I enjoy my laptop or this microphone or whatever, <laughs> it's great that somebody can't just come take it. But on the other hand, especially when it comes to wealth distribution, it, it just becomes such a – it becomes counterintuitive to how human mm -hmm. beings operate. Yeah, you know, uh, I agree. I could talk about this all day, but I'm going to yeah, wrap it yeah, up yeah. because I, if I respond to that, I know we'll be down another yeah, hole, yeah. but – I like this conversation a lot. So Me if too. you guys enjoy this, let us know what you think. Um, and how can you follow Adam if they want to get at you? You can follow me on the Twitter at the real Gans with a Z. Uh, also on Instagram. If you're that kind of weird pervert, go ahead. You can follow <laughs> me there. Uh, also you can see all my podcasts on, uh, on the small beans network. I have three of them uh, with your old friends, Michael Swaim, Abe Epperson yeah. and Maggie Mae fish respectively. And uh, I have a website for my film works called uh, ganserfilms.com. You can check that out. Then one day, maybe a preview for a movie. Who knows? Hell yeah. Maybe it'll come. Definitely. Hell yeah. Put it out there. Um, yeah. and you can follow me at Larissa T and follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Nicole. And we're the hosts of the comedy podcast, Dude, That's Fucked Up. Join us every Wednesday for an irreverent discussion on topics such as light cannibalism, all of the Donner Party, JFK's meth dependency, cryptid fanfic, and even pubes. It's available now on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to DTFUPodcast.com for more information. You know what's not fucked up? This podcast, you butthole. Eee. 
This has been a Hoo Ha Ha podcast.